Abiding Hope Church's podcast of our weekly sermons. For more information about our church, please visit abidinghope.org. Today's reading is from the Gospel of John, chapter 10. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not take care of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own knows me, just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This week we have a passage from the fourth gospel, the gospel of John, where Jesus is saying, I am the good shepherd. You know, there are several places in the fourth gospel where Jesus makes I am statements. I am is God's name. When Moses went to um, uh, the burning bush out in the wilderness and and, and he encountered God in that bush and, and, and Moses asked God, what's your name? Who are you? So that when I go back to Egypt and I confront the Pharaoh, who do I tell the Pharaoh is sending me? God didn't give a name. God said, I am who I am. I was who I was. I will be who I will be. And so we we translate God's name as I am. I am who I am. That's Yahweh, Yahweh. Jehovah, all of those names come from that. We actually don't know how to say God's name because the Hebrew people made it illegal to say the name. Every time they would come to that name, Yahweh or whatever it is in Scripture, they would say Adonai, which means Lord. But in the fourth gospel, Jesus says things like, I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the gate. For the sheep. I am the good shepherd. And much of my life, I've heard Jesus make those claims, and I thought he was only talking about himself, that only he is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand runs away when trouble comes, but the good shepherd stays and will give his life for the sake of the sheep. Well, I never thought that really applied to me until I thought about it at a much deeper level. What if Jesus is saying, I am, and making these statements to show us who we truly are created to be? If he's the only good shepherd, then the rest of us are just hired hands, right? But we're not hired hands. We belong to the household. We're not hired by God, we're children of God. 
We're created by God. What if Jesus is modeling for us what it means to be God's children in this world, caring for the creation, caring for each other, caring especially for the least and the lost and the struggling of our world? I mean, are we acting like we're members of God's family or are we acting like we're hired hands? I think when I take a look at what we do in the creation, how we treat each other, how we treat the world, how we treat nature, we act like teenagers whose parents are away for the weekend and we throw a rager at the house as though it doesn't matter what gets broken or what gets destroyed or what gets messed up. So our parents come back and, and, and we've acted like we can do anything we want because it's ours. This earth is not ours. Our lives are not our own. God created us so that we can experience life. In fact, in verse 10 of chapter 10 here in John's gospel, we didn't read the text. It's the line that comes right before our text for this weekend. Jesus says, I've came so that they, that they being the creation, all of humanity, I've come so that they may have life and have it abundantly. Not just after we die, but right now. What would it look like if we acted like good shepherds in our world today? What would it look like if we were willing to lay ourselves down the way the good shepherd does to care for the poor, the sick, the disenfranchised? You know, through, through this pandemic, I've heard a lot of people make it all about themselves. I don't want to wear a mask. It's uncomfortable. I don't want to get the vaccine because I'm afraid of what it'll do to me. I don't want to social distance. I'm not going to follow the rules because I don't like it. Who's the subject of those statements? Me. It's one thing Jesus never did. And that was think only about himself. Certainly when, when the woman came and anointed his feet, right, with oil and wiped her, her feet with her hair as she wept, and Judas tried to stop her, saying, hey, we could have sold that perfume and made a lot of money and fed the hungry. Jesus did say in that moment, don't you stop her. Because what she's doing now is important. I need this. And she will always be remembered for this act of love and kindness toward me. I don't think in that moment Jesus was being selfish. I think in that moment Jesus knew that he was about to die. And that, that caress uh, 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 and, and anointing he received from that woman, remember, he would not be anointed before they put, put his body in the tomb because there wasn't enough time to do that. He knew he needed that kind of human touch and anointing. That anointing reminded him that he is indeed God's child, God's son, and that even on the cross, through his suffering and dying, that wouldn't be the end of the story. He knew that he needed to hear the message that he is loved, the same way we each need to hear that message. And I don't think that was Jesus being selfish in that moment, but I can't find any other time in Jesus's ministry where he made it about him. He was always making things about God and what God's vision is for the world and how to love our neighbors 
how to lay ourselves down, lay down my wants, my desires, in order to best serve my neighbors. There's no question this pandemic has gone on a long time. And it has called for sacrifice from all of us. I'm tired of it. I'm over it. I want it to be over. But again, I'm thinking just about me and my wants. Who is God calling me to be today? Who does the creator of this universe need me to be as I care for others and care for the creation? I know if I make everything about me and I know if I act like I'm the owner of everything, I'm going to create destruction. But maybe if I live my life today remembering I didn't create myself, I didn't put myself into the 21st century in Littleton, Colorado as a pastor in this community. It's God who gave me life. It's God who has raised me up. It's God who has given me the gifts and abilities that I have, not so that I can use them for me, but so that I can lay myself down for the sake of the sheep, for the sake of humanity, for the sake of creation. You know, Jesus wasn't a superhuman being. He wasn't a superhero. We sometimes think of him as though he was not like us. He was like us. And God enfleshed him in the life of a person to show us who we're created to be. We're the good shepherd. We're the bread of life. We're called to feed the hungry. We're the gate for the sheep, protecting and guarding and, 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 and we become a doorway leading others into Christ. We are the way, the truth, and the life. If we live our lives as Jesus lived his life, loving and serving and giving, we are the I am statement the same as Jesus is the I am statement. Someone wants to know who you are, what your true identity is, you can just say, I am. I am a child of God. I am a human life. I am a part of the creation. I am intimately connected to my brothers and sisters. And so Jesus came so that we may have life and have it abundantly. But guess what? That's why God sent you into this world. So that through the way you live, through the way you serve and connect with other human beings, others may have life and have it abundantly. God's vision is a humanity that understands that we're bigger than ourselves. Our lives transcend each and every one of us. Why do we make ourselves so small? Why, why do we make things just about my myopic views or, or, or my selfish uh, thinking or, or yearnings? Why do we do that? Our lives are huge when we recognize that we're interconnected with God and with each other. Jesus never lost that viewpoint. I think he was tempted. In fact, we know he was tempted. He went out into the wilderness where he was tempted for 40 days and nights by the devil. We know that, that he, he, he struggled out there. He was hungry. He was tired. But yet he maintained his focus. He stood tall through the temptations. Right before he was arrested to be crucified, he was praying in a garden. In Mark's gospel, it says that, that beads of sweat, actually beads of blood 
formed on his brow, he was so stressed. And he asked God, take this cup from me. I don't want to do this. But then what was his next statement? Not my will, but your will be done. Your will, Lord. This is about you. This isn't about me. And he went to the cross. and It was horrible. He suffered horribly on the cross. And he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He felt as though even God had turned on him. But he prayed, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They still think life is about them individually and not about the whole or all. He died. They put his unanointed body in that tomb. And a couple days later, when the ladies came to anoint him, he was raised. He was raised to show us that love and life win and to call us out of our, our small lives, our selfish, narcissistic lives, to call us to recognize that we're here to be a blessing, that we're called to lay our lives down so that every single human being may experience real life. That's why we're here. The only way we're going to be free to live that way is if we trust that love and life win. It's if we trust that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's when the fears and the anxieties come in that we start thinking only about ourselves. We try to self-protect. But we're called to be bigger than that. We're called to be more than that. We're called to live into our true identities. And by living the way of Christ, as I said before, we become a gate. We become a doorway, drawing other people into this way of life. God's vision is not that everybody comes to church. God's vision is that every person lives aware of who they are, aware of who God is, and aware of their relationships with each other. It's when we, we live out of our true identity as children of God that we and the whole world will experience real life. There isn't an easier way to do it. There's not a quicker way to do it. But I can promise you this. A world filled with selfish people will be a world of perpetual conflict. A world filled with people who only want things their way will be a world of perpetual a world filled with people who think life is about themselves and they can do anything they want will be a world of devastation and death. The only path to real life for each of us and for the whole of the creation is through love. It's through trust. It's through a willingness to pour ourselves out and lay our lives down so that we and all the world, all people, may truly experience real life in Jesus' name. May we follow the example of Christ and be willing to pour ourselves out so that love and life truly may win. God loves each of you, and I do too. Amen.